It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Moutier, strong drive to the rack, blocked by Udo, loose ball tapped out, Cephalosha has it, three on two, Mitchell in the middle, A.B. right side, breaks to the baseline, underhand, scoop of the score, A.B. with a little magic, timeout Mike Malone, Utah by nine, 94, 85, welcome back basketball. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is locked on Jazz for the 19th of October. A remarkable opening night performance by the Utah Jazz. We'll break down what they did. Ricky Rubio's 10 assists. We'll look at all 10 of those. Plus, we'll look at some of the advanced metrics on last night's performance and take your questions on a Facebook Live edition of Locked on Jazz. Wow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. So glad to have you tuning in. I have a little problem. I, of course, put my little note page with all my notes right underneath the uh, live video um, paper. And so, of course, now I have to move it. Uh, that wasn't very smart. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Thanks very much for tuning in. I appreciate you. Grabbing a hold of it. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. You can get it on Android, on your iTunes, on your Google Home, on your Alexa, uh, on Spotify. Uh, and I think everyone's getting it. I don't think we're having any problems um, with anyone getting it after our switch. If you are, please let me know. I hope you enjoyed the new Facebook Live shows on the floor with Ron Boone. It's not new, but and then Postcast is not new, but they are both on uh, for you last night on the Utah Jazz Facebook account, and I hope you liked that and that worked out for you. Please, uh, your feedback always really matters to me, so thank you. Thank you very much. Today's show is brought to you by the Utah Snowmobile Show as well as the Advocates, Utah Advocates. I uh, will be taking your questions. I see them rolling in already. It's awesome to have them, so I will get to all of them or the best I can uh, for you, so thank you very much uh, on that account. I think we're all good. Let's just let's get going. I want to do something this year. After games, and you're going to have to tell me whether it's gosh-awful boring or whether it's interesting. There are a bunch of advanced stats that are available now. I think they're worthwhile. And so I am going to open the night after games with just a quick little check of where the game was in regards to advanced stats. So the pace of play last night for the Jazz was 95.5. That's up about three possessions from last year. The offensive rating was a 111. Uh, In regards to offensive ratings, they moved up considerably last year. But the general rule on offensive rating is that the the best in the league, uh, the league average last year, let's go with 107, I think is probably the best number um, for you. Uh, Kind of if you look at the median, which is probably better than the mean, on offensive ratings last year, and you take the kind of middle-of-the-pack team last year, which was um, uh, was everyone I think that you'll find, that's probably the right number. Um, 107.4 is what we were last year, so 106.9, we were about 14. So let's go with 107. The best teams in the league, if you're over, just kind of an easy way to think about this, if you're over 110, you're great. There were five teams over 110 last year. If, you were, if you're under 
103 defensively, you're great. So if you kind of think about that, right? So 107, probably, you know, we probably should call it 106.5. And if you go up three and a half points, it's huge. If you go down three and a half, it's huge. So last night, the Jazz were a 111 offensively, which is really, really good. Denver was not good defensively last year, you'll recall. They were 29th in the league defensively last year. They, that's about what they allowed. So the Jazz had an average offensive performance against them last year. And then the Jazz defense was a 100.5, which is great. It is absolutely great. The best in the league last year was 101. And Denver's offense last year was 110. So that is an incredible defensive performance. Effective field goal percentage, which, again, I, I like to use much more than uh, field goal percentage because you weigh three-point shooting. Uh, the league average last year was about 50%. It's actually about 51. But uh, the Jazz was were at 56% effective field goal percentage, and uh, Denver was at 55. And the one note, final note for you of interest last night, the Jazz defended very differently than they did last year when they were a great defensive team. They forced 21% of Denver's possessions into turnovers. Last year, they only 11. That's worth keeping an eye on. Last year, we played a shell defense where we forced you into bad shots. And this year, they were much more into guys. We have three of the top 15 steal percentage guys last year. And so it'll be interesting, uh, to, it'll be interesting to see whether that stays. So that's kind of the overall advanced stat look at the game. We'll do that each time. Then the second thing uh, I think we'll do in each game is take a quick look at the shot chart and see if there's anything interesting for that. Um, Last night, the Jazz got off nine corner three attempts, which is a pretty high number. Remember, that's the number one shot you want to get. They were four of nine on the corner threes. Uh, last night, just going to the most basic, the Jazz got 31 shots in around the rim. They hit 21 of 31. Uh, so pretty good night uh, in that regard. Uh, D- Denver, on the other, and this is the Rudy factor, Denver got 18 shots around the rim last night. So there's a huge difference in last night's game. The Jazz took 31 shots at the rim, and Denver took 18, and that's the Rudy factor. And the one thing you recall happened last year is because of Rudy, teams took a lot of shots in the paint but not in the restricted area, and they shot him a very low percentage. That's exactly what happened last night as Denver went 6 of 19. The other thing is that the Jazz were one of the best teams in the league at not allowing you to get corner threes in their defense uh, last year. And, and I, th- I hope this is interesting because I think if we do this on a nightly basis, you'll see a little bit of you know some of these numbers that we throw out to you. I think we'll see them evolve and we'll know if there's weird nights. But you know the corner three defensively uh, is such a huge thing. So last year, uh, opponents against the Jazz were the 11th best shooting team there, but if you went to corner three shooting percentage attempted, the Jazz allowed the second fewest amount of corner threes. Uh, or overall, uh, number one in the league at stopping corner threes, and number two at not allowing threes defensively. Um, only 5.6% of our shots by opponents last year were corner threes. Last night, Denver goes one of six on corner threes. They do get 20 above the break threes, and they hit 12 of 20, and so Here's a crazy thought for you about last night's game. The Jazz have an unbelievable defensive night, holding one of the, the number one offensive team in the last 30 games last year to a defensive rating of 100. I mean, just a great, great game. Yet, Denver has an unusually good above-the-break three-point shooting night. 
right? That the above the break three point shooting in the league is thirty five percent, and Denver shot sixty. So I actually would say that the Jazz last night may have beat Denver on a night in which the Jazz defense actually was dealing with a team making shots. Like that's a pretty wild scenario. The biggest number that we've re- the, the two most interesting numbers that I've given you, and I'll and I'll kind of try to make sure we do this each night. One is only eighteen shots in the restricted area by Denver. Okay, so that's last year the Jazz uh, allowed a lot of shots in the restricted area. Uh, they were 19th in the league at allowing, but the third best at defending them. League average is 61% in there. Last night, Denver was right about that. Maybe a little, a notch higher. So that's the first one. And then the second uh, the second number of, of interest, I think, there, uh, when, we're, when we're looking at this. Uh, so that's, that's probably the first one. The second one is the Jazz ability to get corner threes and then take away corner threes. All right, so that's the advanced stat look. Uh, we'll do that each show, kind of the kick off the show after games. I hope that I hope that works for you, and you like that. Please let me know. Um, I think that's interesting. Uh, winter is coming. Okay, winter. Yeah, it's not as cold today, uh, but the Utah Snowmobile Show is here, so it is taking place October twentieth and twenty first. Uh, that's this Friday, starts at three, and Saturday starting at ten a.m. It's at the Southtown Expo Center this year, which means they have fifty percent. Larger than last year. All the extra space is filled with more vendors, more booths, more snowmobile accessories to check out. Uh, so the 2018 sleds are in. Skidoos, Polaris's, Arctic Cats, new snow bike conversion systems, awesome modified sleds, turbos, skis, tracks, clothing available, avalanche gears, and great seminars as well. One on photography with Ryan Thompson on Friday, Saturday, a backcountry riding technique with Brett Rasmussen. So if you're going to ride the trails, you're going to create your own, whatever you're going to do this winter, make sure you get out to the 2017 Utah Snowmobile Show uh, this Friday and Saturday by Fly Racing at the Southtown Southtown Expo Center, not Auto Center, Expo Center in Sandy. Discount tickets are available for just five bucks at S-N-O-W-E-S-T S-N-O- W-E-S-T dot com slash shows. That's S-N-O West dot com slash shows for just $5 or purchased the show at $8. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, I want to... So... 
I want to get to a few other things. There's also Empty the Noggin, and there's also Postcast after last night's game for you. It's a lot of material. Uh, I thought a few things that jumped last night. Obviously, the defense. I mean, the second half uh, defense was just incredible. Um, and, and shutting down Denver and just staying to who they are. Uh, the other one that I do kind of like to look at is what about the bigs? I think the bigs are going to be a really interesting story for the Jazz this year. So when Favors and Gobert were on the floor last night, the Jazz, excuse me, the Jazz played 22 minutes of Favors and Gobert last night, uh, and they got outscored by seven points in that time period. These are small sample sizes, but again, something I think when Gobert and Joe Johnson were on the floor together, the Jazz played 13 minutes of that, got outscored by seven points. So those are the two primary lineups we expected uh, to kind of carry this team through that, and they neither of those worked. Um, so that, uh, to me, Favors and Udo played seven minutes together and were plus 11. That's a pretty mobile active group. The offense was incredible. They shot 78% at three of three from three in that time period. So I'm not sure that that's entirely sustainable. These are kind of, you know, one game misleading numbers. But I'm going to keep an eye on what happens with our bigs and what our big combinations are throughout the year because there's a lot of different things that Quinn can do there. And if we can find a way to do what we did last night, which is defend when Rudy's off the floor and maybe Udo's can be able to do that, then we're going to become a really Really, really good uh, basketball team. Uh, Cephalosha and Udo showed the depth last night uh, with what they did. Both of them great defensive players. Udo's really long and really good. I was talking to Ingles yesterday how Udo's just so much longer than you anticipate. So, And he was saying, gosh, we were in practice the other day, and I'm dribbling, and all of a sudden he reaches in and knocks it away, in a, and I didn't even expect it. Uh, Udo was plus 24 in 13 minutes last night. You look at his box score last night. He scores two points, two rebounds, no assists, no steals, three blocks. And you have a hard time figuring out how he impacted the game. He changed the game dramatically. Cephalosha last night, seven points, two rebounds, two assists, two steals in 20 minutes off the bench. That's awesome. And he was plus 25. AB's fourth quarter was incredible. He got rolling for the points. But you know what's interesting about the even the way I phrase that? We react so much to what an offensive player does. AB was incredible because he hit two threes and he came. But you know what? Cephalosha's two steals, um, Rubio's two steals, Ingles' two steals, those are probably equally as incredible. And we don't put as much of a, a focus on that. Uh, I went through Ricky Rubio's 10 assists. Because I'll be honest, I, I didn't really feel like Rubio's line last night. Nine points, five rebounds, ten assists, two steals. Three of nine shooting. It's kind of like one of five from three. It's like, but minus 14 is surprising. Uh, you know, a little misleading. The Rodney Hood suddenly at the last second not being able to start the game and play uh, because of gastric distress really sent everyone for loop. It was pretty unfair to Donovan Mitchell as a rookie to be thrown in there like that. It ruined the whole rotation of the way the team wanted to play in the first quarter. Uh, just kind of discombobulated everything Quinn had planned on. And the Jazz get outscored 30-21 to 21 in that first quarter. You know, that's a... From that point on, the Jazz tie the second quarter, win the third by four, and win the fourth by 15. So that first quarter is really thrown out of whack by 10 seconds before the game, Rodney not being able to go. And so at that point, the rotations are messed up, and I think you kind of – we'll see. You almost have to dismiss a little bit uh, of that. 
Here are Rubio's 10 assists, and I, I think they're interesting to try to figure out the value of Rubio. So the first one is he's on the right wing. He throws an over-the-head cross-court bullet to Joe Ingles, and this is a play I've talked about all preseason. It's the basic pick-and-roll to Rudy, and Rudy rolls the basket. If they bring a third guy over, it opens up a corner three. Millsap left Ingles on that one. Uh, t- transition opportunity for Rudy. So here's a little bit of, you know, how, are we going to be able to get – Quint, the goals aren't big. Can we get three? If you go get three, four transition buckets you didn't used to get, it makes a huge difference to your offense. Huge. I know it sounds so small, but three or four buckets you didn't used to get in transition. So there's number one. Transition opportunity found Rudy for a dunk. The third assist is one of those. The first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. And then I watch the second guy, and he's a quarterback who basically takes the safety off his man with a pump fake and then throws a basic pass, and it was a pass to Joe Ingles in the left corner. But because he ball faked to Rudy in the middle of the lane, Millsap leaves Ingles, and Ingles is now able to drive by Millsap on the baseline. Next one, he drives in the paint, wraps it around to Favors, pretty neat little pass. Pick and rolled. With Gobert, Favors is open on the baseline for a 15-footer. Nothing too tricky about that one. Six is transition and perfectly run. Rudy sprints the floor first. Go, uh, Rubio keeps the energy there, so the defense goes with him. Favors is the next guy through, hits him at the perfect spot, slam dunk. Uh, penetrates, throw back to Favors for a 15-foot jumper. Again, Ball fake, clears a guy away, hits Gobert for what turned out to be a nifty reverse layup, but the ball fake moves the defense. Uh, Favors hits a 17-footer on another one, backed him, and then transitioned to Cephalosha on kind of what was the game winner when he throws it out in front for his 10th assist night. So you look at that, you've got three transition buckets that we didn't used to probably get, and you've got these subtle little ball fakes creating opportunities for guys. Makes for an interesting discussion of how much Rubio will be able to uh, create opportunities for guys in this lineup and what and what that means. All right, we're going to get to your questions. I think those are the main notes that I wanted to have here. Let me see. Um, did the ratings, talked about the defense, the depth. Oh, uh, one more. We'll talk about the timeouts, uh, but let me do that. Uh, we'll do that in a second. Uh, actually, I'll do it now, uh, and then we'll take your questions. Uh so I've been talking about this. The timeout rules are different in the NBA. There's only seven timeouts now. Each team is automatically assigned one in each quarter. This is kind of like a math question. It's like it's my daughter's in seventh grade. It's like all the math questions she's doing right now with all the word questions. So if Steve has two timeouts and Bobby has three timeouts and the league rules say that at the fourth quarter you can't take So here are the rules. There's seven timeouts. You cannot take more then four of them into the fourth quarter, and you cannot take more than two of them into the final two minutes. If you just go through the natural progression, you'll end up with four going into the fourth quarter. Okay? So just you take each team's assigned one in the first quarter, one in the second quarter, one in the third. If nothing, if we just take our automatic timeouts and nobody takes anything else, they're under seven and under three now. There's a little bit better game flow. What happened last night is... Mike Malone had used a timeout earlier in the game. So he went into the fourth quarter with three timeouts. 
He, 45 seconds in, after a 9-2 run by the Jazz to close the third, the Jazz go on a 4-6-0 or run, he calls a timeout. He's now down to two for the remainder of the game. And the Jazz continue the run out of the timeout. And he doesn't want to call his next timeout because then he'd be down to one for the final nine, ten minutes of the game. He finally is forced to, but you can feel that he calls it three or four plays later. The, the impact of this is that the value of a experienced veteran point guard and team on the road are going to become bigger and bigger. I think home teams are going to win at a higher rate than they did a year ago because the timeout rule change. And I also think that you're going to see a real value to the Cephalosias, Rubios, Udos, maybe Gobert's, Favors, who've been around. Last night, Denver has no point guard. Emmanuel Moutier's not good yet. Jamal Murray's not a point guard. And Will Barton, who's playing point guard, is just not a point guard. Their, Gary Harris is a, is, a, is a young player, and they... Jokic is a third-year player. They came completely unraveled on the road with the run going against them, did not have good possessions, did not get into it. It's also going to take a coach. You know, I think coaching and and pre-preparation of coaching becomes even more important. The timeout rules that have changed in the NBA have a dramatic, are going to have a dramatic, dramatic impact on the NBA this year. Really, really enormous. Uh, so keep an eye on that. I'll keep mentioning it. You've got all my hot buttons. The show's not going to be, it's going to be the same show every day, all year. Just deal with it. Uh, the, today's show is brought to you by the Utah Advocates. Do you know about the Utah Advocates? It's a, uh, they're a law firm in Utah that's there to help you. And, uh, largely in cases of traffic accidents and things of that nature, uh, they, the advocates are going to help their personal injury attorneys are going to help you out. And what's so interesting about the advocates is I sat down with Matt. And got to know him. And the end goal is simple. Get you the best deal possible. Uh, and and make sure that they're for you. And it's funny. To kinda, he started, he's like, I, I've had to learn to not be ashamed about being there for people. That was kind of the first thing Matt said to me. Like, my wife finally, like, used to mumble, like, oh, well, you know, personal injury attorney. And finally we figured out, like, we're there for people. And what's interesting about Matt is he has taken this – part of law and turned it into a real craft and has figured it out that there's 106 steps that take place. Every accident is different. Every person is different. But every case goes through the exact same 106 steps. And they work through it. And he says, we're just getting better at it every time. We have someone whose job is to go get the police report. We have somebody's job is to go get the medical report. We have somebody's job who's to go interact with the insurance people. We have a system that makes sure that you get a call from a lawyer in 60 seconds no matter what. You have an attorney that's assigned your case who knows exactly when they've talked to you last, when's communicating, what's interacting with you. And it goes into this efficiently run, remarkable system that Matt and the people at the Advocate have built and on one level it sounds like an airplane checklist but you know what I want that plane to get off the ground and all I want from my attorney in that case is to do exactly that help me out and get me the largest settlement that I possibly can get that I deserve less than 1% of these things go to trial 3% go to arbitration so what does that mean that means that you got to have your systems in line and that's exactly what the advocates are going to do for you accidents are different people are different process is the same. That process with the advocates is efficient. Efficiency means productivity, means communication. It means expediting the process. It means you have experts at the task 
each and every task in the process, and that's what Utah Advocates gets you and does for you. So give them a call, 801-326-0809. That's 801-326-0809. You can look them up on the web as well if you'd like to at Utah Advocates. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right, let's get to your questions. This is my favorite part of the show. Let me see if I can, uh, where's my, let me see if I update this or I'll just do it on here. It's easier to do it sometimes on the computer than on the screen, but I'll do it. All right. Mike Terry says, cool, I've never seen one live. What's cool about it? I'm ugly. I got big wrinkles on my forehead, and I'm sitting here in a jazz shirt that's free. Uh, was Denver bad last night, or is Utah really good? I don't know the answer. Uh, talking to scouts around the league, their feeling was that for all the talk about Houston and all the talk of Oklahoma City and all the talk – I better be careful with that one um, – is that Denver and – and Minnesota are the two teams that are going to have the hardest time figuring out who they are and how to use possessions. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Millsap took the most shots in that team last night, 15. Used the most possessions. That's not a great go-to. He's not a great go-to guy. Uh, Jokic is great. Gary Harris needs to take more than seven shots. Uh, I don't know. Their offense was great, and then it fell apart. I'm curious to see what happens with them. No sign the defense is any better. Millsap did not have a particularly good defensive night last night. Curious to watch Denver. Um, Might not be as far ahead as everyone thinks there. And I am a huge Gallinari fan. So I actually would rather have Danilo Gallinari than Paul Millsap. But I might be the only one in the world who thinks that. So understand I could be way wrong on that. Richard Child, you've talked about how the Jazz need to be good defensively without Gilbert. Can you quantify that as a defensive rating. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, I think in the simplest sense, if Gobert's dominant and we're at 102 or 103 with Gobert on the floor like we were last year, if we can be below 107 in the other minutes. You know, actually, I'll use a Miami Heat analogy from the the Heatles. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Ray Allen were all so efficient and above the league average. So they were just unremarkable. Their pack rating is really what I'm talking about. Offensively. Yet the rest of their team was average. I talk about this a lot with offenses. So the Warriors, Durant, Curry, Thompson, are so far above average. 
And they're using 50 of the 90 possessions a night. And then in the other 40 possessions, what's impressive is that they're actually right at league average, which makes it impossible for the opponent to actually, unless they're Houston, to catch up to the other numbers. Does that make sense? Like if they're five above average and the rest of the guys are are average, there's no way for you to catch that five. And, And the only team that's got the offensive firepower to come close to that is Houston. So defensively, let's use the same thought. If the Jazz are for 30 minutes of the night when 35 last night when Gobert's on the floor, and last night's defense with Gobert on the floor I don't think was very good. I'll I'll see if I can actually – let me see if I have it. Uh, If uh, defensive rating last night with Gobert on the floor was a 110, defensive rating with Favors on the floor last night was a 91. Defensive rating with Donovan Mitchell on the floor was an 81. Defensive floor rating with Epe Udo on the floor was a 67. And Cephalosha was a 62. But let's assume that there's a uniqueness to this. Jokic pulled Gobert out. The Jazz, it's a struggle for you know Rudy. That's a bad matchup for Rudy. Uh, so if our defensive rating can be, if league average is 107 and our defensive rating can be 103, then what... When Rudy's on the floor, or even 102 or 101, if we're just better than league average in those other 16 minutes, we don't lose very often. Like, truly, we win a lot. A lot. Uh, Like, I would go as far as, I don't want to, this is the expectation, but truly, if we do what I just said, which is we're 102 and Rudy's on the floor, and we're better than league average the rest of the time, we'd win about between 45 and 50 games, just math-wise. From Liz, Rowley, Jorgensen. That reminds me of Lauren Jorgensen. Whatever happened to Lauren Jorgensen? He's a really good writer for the Deseret News. Pretty good friend, actually. Donovan Mitchell looks like he could be... Do you guys realize what it's like to have this brain on top of your shoulders at all time that just has random thoughts like that all the time? Uh, Donovan Mitchell looks like he could be really good, but he seems to force it a lot. Is there something we'll have to get used to as he develops? Yes! He's going to shoot about 35% this year. He is a two-foot jumper so that when he goes into the lane, he has a hard time getting up over guys. It takes him too long, and he's going to have to figure it out, but he'll be fine. He's got it. He's got some limitations. He's not going to be a superstar. I don't – like, everyone wants to make him an all-star. Like, Damian Lillard has only been an all-star once, so um, – but I think he's really going to be very good. He played 26 minutes last night. I think that's – I think we've got to have a rookie playing 26 to 30 minutes a night. Uh in the past, you've talked about rookies playing too much are like over-dipped Oreo cookies, and eventually they crumble. Based on that theory, how would you be concerned about Donovan? So I'm going to uh, – Donovan, I think, is a little different on this because of how smart he is um, and how well he was raised and who he is as a person. Uh, he's a really interesting kid. If you listen to the interview with him um, about the get-to-know – uh, I like intellect. He went to one of the best high schools in the country for the first part of his life. I think he's pretty worldly. And I think unlike Trey Burke was not worldly. Okay. Um, and Trey Burke was struggling, was over dipped on the floor and over dipped off the floor and having a world of problems uh, of both on both accounts. And so I don't think that regular life is going to be difficult for Donovan. So I am less concerned about over dipping his Oreo cookie, uh, would be my, my quick thought on that. Uh, John says that opening stat stuff is why he listens and watches. So you're all screwed and you have to deal with it. Um, which teams benefit most from the new timeout rules? I think Richard asked that before I got into it. Hopefully we do. I think veteran teams, good teams, point guard teams. It's going to be really interesting. 
Really, really interesting. Uh, is Rodney's gastric issue seems to be pretty often related to anxiety he gets at all? You are way... Good question, Tyler. Let me like make sure that's clear. You are also then way above my intellect level um, there. Uh, any word from inside as far as streaming games yet? Uh, on the TV, no. And on the radio, I'm very, very disappointed to report. Um, so the NBA, if you're a radio listener, the NBA, can I say this? I'm an NBA employee. I work for the team. I probably got to be careful how I phrase this. All right, how's this? I'm being very careful on how I'm phrasing this, so this tells you what I think. They have changed the rules. Uh, Whether they did it intentionally or not, I don't know, but the Audio League Pass is now embedded into the League Pass. So I I don't know about streaming on TV, because that's not what I do, Um, and you'll have and I do radio. Uh, but in regards to getting the radio call, you can now only get it if you, as of this moment, if you're Sirius XM, download the app, you'll get it. If TuneIn Premium, which is about $100, and, or you buy the whole league pass, and you get the audio. And it, I, I think it's terrible. I think it's terrible to take a pack, a product that was nine ninety five and have it go to $100 is terrible. I'm really disappointed. Uh, Mitchell seemed to struggle finishing around the rim last night. Just normal rookie struggles. Denver, Denver's a bad interior team. Donovan's going to struggle around the rim. He's going to figure it out. Uh, but I talked about it. He's a two-foot jumper. But, like, you know, I mean, he's a rookie. He's going to shoot 35%, guys. Like, he's a rookie. Um, like, he's, he's not going to be an all-star this year. He's not going to shoot a high. He shot 27% last night. Uh, he'll be better than that. He's going to shoot, but he's going to shoot in the 30s. Like, he's not going to be an efficient player. Rookies are not efficient players. Almost never. Unless he, I mean, Eric Gordon rookie year would be my goal for him, and that would be a stretch. Um, do the advanced stat. It's cool. Tyler, see, you're screwed. you guys are all in trouble. Any idea why Jareb couldn't play? Don't expect, uh, do you expect that to be a normal rotation-wise? You know, Kyle, as of now, I do. And the answer is because Epe Udo had an incredible camp and won the job. Epe Udo has been, to me, is the story of training camp. His play in training camp and in games earned him rotational minutes. He was that good. And we saw it last night. And there, so Udo, I think the expectation for me was Jarebko and Johnson split those four minutes because you don't want to overdo the minutes on Joe Johnson. And that didn't happen last night. Joe Johnson played 19 minutes and Udo got those other minutes because he earned them. Uh, do injured players travel with the team wondering if Gordon will come to Utah in March and if the fans would give him some applause or booze at that point? I don't know. With you know, That's a pretty serious injury. I wish him the best, obviously. Uh, seemed early defense wasn't tight enough on the perimeter. Fourth quarter, it flipped. Why did it take so long? Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be – if they had been that good defensively all night long, they would have won like Portland did to Phoenix. Um you know, Denver's good. Denver was the number one offensive team in the league for the first 30 games. I frankly just thought Denver's offense was better than our defense for, and they hit a lot of shots. Uh, they still hit 13 to 27 from three, and the Jazz held them to a point per possession. I mean, that to me is a huge story. Uh, Millsap, five turnovers. Jokic, four turnovers. Maybe a problem for Denver that they're running their entire offense through their bigs. So we're going to turn the ball over. So uh, it's worth keeping an eye on. But I, I, I don't, I mean, the defense wasn't good early. I wouldn't worry about it uh, until we see. Denver was burning the Nets. Barton was nasty. And then uh, I, and then the Jazz, I think when – the other thing that happened, by the way, is that when B- Will Barton came in in the third quarter, he got matched up with Donovan Mitchell instead of Rodney Hood and couldn't get going. 
Uh, love the numbers from Tabo and Epe. No Jonas last night. Uh, will this be the norm? I just touched on that. Uh, fourth quarter. Let's see. Um, Tyson Ewing, former Jazz broadcast assistant, now radio voice of the University of Utah women and stats person for the Jazz, says, obviously defense was good as we've ever seen, but offensively, what impressed you most during that nine-minute 31-5 to run? Nice to have a stats guy that could get that for you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I think that they got out and ran in transition. I'd have to go back and really look at what those buckets were, uh, but they were a lot of them were quick is my memory of what happened there. Uh, my, my memory of that fourth quarter and when, it, and when they, the Jazz get rolling, so they close the third on a 9-2 run. Joe Johnson really hits that great three. It kind of spurs the Jazz on. Udo had hit two free throws. Joe Johnson had flipped one up over Millsap, I think. And then if you, if you kind of get into it, A.B. gets a driving layup. Um, Johnson... With 12 on the shot clock, gets a layup. So that's just a regular possession. I think it was out of a Plumley offensive foul. Uh, Joe Johnson gets fouled late in a possession, so nothing's. we're not running yet. Jokic misses 10 seconds off the shot clock on an early push. Burks gets a three. Jokic turns it over six seconds off the shot clock. Mitchell gets a layup. So this is the running after misses Quinn talked about the whole time. Jokic throws a bad pass out of bounds, so it's a dead ball. But Jazz get a shot twelve second, eight seconds into the shot clock for three from Burks on a Mitchell assist, his third. Moutier misses a layup. Udo gets the rebound. Five seconds later, Alec Burks scores a driving layup on the reverse side from Donovan Mitchell. So here you're seeing... After misses, after turnovers, getting out and pushing the tempo exactly as Quinn Snyder had wanted. Um, Millsap goes to the free throw line, so now the Jazz use all 24 seconds of the shot clock on the next possession, and that's who we're going to be. We're going to be, after makes and misses, we're going to be slow. And after, or after makes and dead balls, we're going to be slow, but after misses, we're going to try to get out. We miss on that possession. Uh, Barton turns it over. We actually get into a late clock there, 19, but Mitchell gets two free throws. Um, Barton misses. This run has slowed down now a little bit. Cephalosha misses a three, but we were late in the clock there. So, you know, we may have run out a little gas here. Talking to Quinn last night after the game on our way home, or texting with Quinn after the way uh, last night, he... We, I've been talking to him a lot about the timeouts because I'm mesmerized by the impact on the league. And he actually pointed to me last night and said, hey, you know, we used our timeout. This is really smart by Quinn. That we used the timeouts ahead, while we were ahead to get rest. And so I think what you're seeing here is that they got a little tired and then Quinn calls a timeout at 614. Remember, I talked about it, that Denver called a timeout 42 seconds into the quarter. It was their fifth timeout of the night. So now Mike Malone only has two timeouts left. And doesn't really have another one to use. Finally, three minutes later, having not scored in that time period, he uses his sixth. Quinn Snyder now has, at this point, Quinn Snyder has four timeouts, but he's going to lose two of them if he doesn't call them under the three minutes. So he then calls one at the 6-14 mark, gets himself down to his four. So he's got three left. And then he calls another one. Uh, at the 340 mark, which is another one-minute rest timeout, and then under two minutes, he lost the timeout. So Quinn managed that perfectly last night on how to use those timeouts. 
Uh, I was very impressed with the defense of Udo, says Brian. How big will his ability to get minutes allow Favors and Gobert to get rest? Well, it was interesting. that There were minutes last night where Udo played the backup five, and Favors was off the floor and Gobert was off the floor, which I thought was really cool. I'm sure Derek didn't love it because Derek wants to play minutes, but um, Derek played Derek 28 minutes last night. It's perfect. Gobert 35 is probably too many, and Udo's 13, so that was nice. Um, Savage Comeback says John Hey Locke is there a way to see if certain players Increase other players pack Like does someone like Derek Rose or J.R. Smith Get better when their team is with LeBron This is a great question I've looked into this a lot My general consensus And my general feeling Which is very contrary to most people in the league But I'm not a big groupthink guy Is that teammates don't affect other teammates um, Efficiency Carmelo will be a good test right now So everyone thinks that And Dwayne Wade will be a good test Everyone And Derrick Rose will be a good test Everyone thinks Cleveland's going to be better Because they're playing with LeBron Wade and Rose were awful last year Efficiency Wade, Rose was a little better Wade was the third worst offensive player in the league uh, Nikolai, Jok- or Nikolai Vukovic in Orlando was worse And I'm not And Justice Winslow uh, Same thing is the case uh, With Carmelo He's really He's faded the last two years So will being with better players Help them my feeling over the last few years is that there's usually been one, two, or three players, Durant, LeBron, Chris Paul, who increase other players' efficiencies. They're that good. And otherwise, almost nobody does. Al Jefferson was the same player in Charlotte as he was in Minnesota, as he was in Utah, as he is now in Indiana. Um, and so when you see players move teams, they, I think they usually stay the same, even though they're changing systems and teammates, because it just gets down to the individual possession use. That's a philosophy of mine. It's what I, what I believe most people don't. Uh, so just know that, and I'm pretty comfortable that I think I'm right. Uh, so I stay with it, and maybe I'm not. Uh, but that's, and we'll watch. This will be interesting cases. But in my research over the years, it's very hard to prove what the movement is, and I'm probably not smart enough to quite prove it uh, with numbers to show that, but that's my general feeling. Uh, the best pass was the one he threw out in front of the defense to a running Mitchell. He just didn't make the shot. Yeah, that's probably true on Rubio. Uh, Rubio and Favors have some good chemistry. Saw that last night. Brett says, great call. Thank you very much. It was really fun. Uh, was Rubio forced travel on Murray not as impressive as defense plays, I'm thinking? Um, you know what? It was a, it got the crowd going. I don't remember when it was, but it, it um, it's an, it's the essence of Ricky Rubio. It's usually why he's got a positive plus minus at the end of the night. He didn't last night. Uh, for those who remember, uh, Gobert got a dunk, and instead of running back the floor, uh, Rubio went and jumped in front of uh, Murray and forced kind of a non-point guard into a turnover. Uh, it was with 5.02 left in the second quarter. At the time, the Jazz were down five. Uh, and the Jazz convert out of that to make it a three-point game. The Denver forces it back up to eight and ten, and so I'm not sure it feels like that was a huge play, but it's probably symbolic of things we'll see out of Rubio that matter. Uh, oh, Benjamin Finley, you're my you're my guy. You characterize it better than I could. Uh, Tyson wants more. Um. Is Rodney, uh, I have no idea on Rod, you guys on the Rodney gastric distress thing. It's just so far above my understanding of, so I don't know. John Lopez says, thank you. Um, I appreciate you guys. You guys make this fun. Do you think Snyder jumped the gun by putting Mitchell in the starting lineup? I, I'll tell you what. I think he had four seconds to make that. I don't think, the way it works, if, if Rodney leaves and goes, I don't think Quinn knows. They're at the jump ball. I, I think, literally, I'll find out. 
I, I think literally they're sitting at the jump ball, and all of a sudden, Rodney's got gastric distress and is in the locker room, and Quinn's got to find someone. You know, if Quinn knows that Rodney's not starting, does he start Cephalosha on opening night because, or because he doesn't want to give Donovan that situation? Yeah, maybe, but that wasn't what that was. So I, that's, I don't know. Um, Rod, yeah, let's let's just let Rodney let's let Rodney play. I mean, he's pretty good when he plays. Um, or does he start Alec? Right? Like, what if he start? Maybe we should have start like uh, Alec looked great last night. I hope he stays healthy and he can contribute. You know, the thing I love about it, I think is really neat for Alec. We, we tried to do everything to Alec, turn him into point guard, make him do this, make him do that. Primaries. Maybe he's an off the bench. 20-minute-a-night guy like Will Barton. Like, Ron Boone on the broadcast like last night basically said, like, oh, Will Barton's Alec Burks. He, it totally can play a little one, can play a little two, can play a little three. Probably doesn't do any of them great. But put him in the right role and use him correctly, and if you play him a point guard exclusively, we got a problem. But, whoo, like, could be a really, really powerful force coming in. All right, we're going to do this for four more minutes. i got to save my voice some. I love it, though. I'm fired up. Uh, Ingles, 32 minutes last night. Yeah, it's probably too much. Let's see what happens. I've talked about it a lot. Uh, I don't think his body holds up very well when he plays 32. That wasn't a hard 32, though, I would say. Um, you've been saying this all summer. Mitchell was horrible offensively, but defensively amazing, 22. No, he wasn't horrible offensively. He missed shots. He had five, four assists. Um, he did turn it over three times, He, but he plays with a, he plays with a zest that I think is important. Um, He's going to play because he can score. He'll figure it out. Uh, if A.B. had been given the keys to the franchise and stayed healthy rather than Hayward, wouldn't A.B.? No. No, Greg. No. No. Can you introduce me to Joe Ingles? I probably should end the show right now. At least it's complete because Matt finally got in. Um, a, lo- a sit-down with Ron Boone about his career request. I love that. Uh, did Denver go cold or probably both? And I think the game slipped away from Denver, and I'm not sure that they um, – I'm not sure they had the maturity to handle it. Andy Larson, the great Andy Larson. It's really – I first met – am I allowed to tell the story, Andy? Uh, I think – I'm pretty sure – so if you're 42 minutes into this, you get this. So Andy Larson, I first met at a friend who introduced me to him when he was, I think, a junior in high school, maybe younger. And um, – he just was big into it, and he's really risen up to be quite a star. He's he's talked about nationally. He's really does a great job. And uh, I haven't read uh, the triple cast or triple zone or three point shot or whatever it is until after I do the show because I think he does a um, such a great job. I don't want to have it influence my opinions. Uh, here, Zach Lowe just tweeted. Let's see what it says. Denver Jazz Nuggets. Bizarrely having Jokic trap some of Rubio's pick-and-roll instead of having pick-and-rolls go under and sit back, getting burned badly. That is true, actually. When I went back and watched the game, Denver was shadowing Rubio with the ball with their big, which was what was creating a lot of these assists, um, rather than just dropping the big to equal level of Gobert and having the point guard go under. I Zach's exactly right. I saw it. I, I thought it was a, it's in my notes. I thought it was a little too geeky to get into. Not that I haven't geeked out on everything else, but that is exactly right. Um, Andy says, watching it again, I thought a big part of the run was Denver just blowing it in a lot of ways. Bad offensive fouls, late fouls in the shot clock to bail out Mitchell, Johnson, Rubio. Blowing pick and roll hedge to give A.B. an open uh, three with seven seconds into a possession. Uh, made that what could have been a 2012 run into 27-5 or whatever. Yeah, probably very true. Probably very, very true. Well, no, I know it's true. It came from him. 
Um, all right, let me see. Should we be worried about Hood? You know, he's just let's let him play. Let's just let him be. See if he can figure it out. Uh, good thoughts on Donovan. Good morning to Ryan as well. Uh, loved AB in a similar role to Ginobili. Yeah, we're just going to make him be a Hall of Famer. Um, I think he's Will Barton, guys. He's Will Barton. Let's not make him Ginobili. Uh, do you think Alec Burks will score more points per game than Rodney? Okay, so let me just say this to close out the show on Rodney. We've got to make sure we don't get too caught up into recency bias. I understand we have 48 minutes of basketball and one experience right now of data that we can use. But let's not over get too overblown on this. It was one night. Let's see what if we get blown out by Minnesota, it's only one night. Really, my thing was if they could find a way to win two of the first four, because I think the signature of this team this year is against not very good teams. The defense is going to kill people. And when the defense kill when, – when we play the Lakers and their offense isn't very good and our defense puts the clamps down or we're able to do the same thing to Philadelphia or Brooklyn or some of those teams, that's – we're going to win those. And so if we can sneak through about half of these other ones, then we make the playoffs. They make the playoffs. That is a 45-minute edition of Locked on Jazz. I hope you enjoyed. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow from Minneapolis, Minnesota. See ya. Thanks. Today's show was brought to you by the Utah Snowmobile Show. That's on Friday, starting at 3, and by the Advocates. Thanks very much for tuning in. This is Locked On Jazz, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.